spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the NBA at 75 Slam Dunk Contest Retrospective Series we're doing here at the Overback Classic. NBA podcast. I'm Rich. No Jason for this episode, but that's fine because I'm going to take you on a fun, fun journey here. Uh, If you have not followed, I've done two prior episodes so far, one about the 1984 Slam Dunk Contest and one about the 1986 Slam Dunk Contest. There's also written uh, accompaniments of all these podcasts available at fansided.com and the step back at fansided.com. So let's get to it here. 1987, Michael Jordan has arrived and Michael Jordan obviously didn't need the 1986 or 87 slam dunk contest to become air Jordan. He's 23 years old at this point. He's already well on his way to becoming one of the NBA's biggest stars. Uh, His rookie year, he helps the bulls get to just under 500 after having years and years and years of of being a pretty uh, uh, sorry team. He's, he's so impressive. He finishes sixth in MVP voting that year as well. Sixth in MVP voting for a rookie, Michael Jordan and, uh, yeah, he, at this point, is already staking his claim to becoming one of the most unguardable players uh, in NBA history, uh, especially for somebody at his size. Doing what he was able to do at his size was just otherworldly. And by the end of 1987, kind of jumping ahead here, he's going to finish second MVP. He's going to lead the league in points per game for the first time. He's also going to lead the Chicago Bulls to the playoffs for the first time in his career for some many, many, many playoff trips that uh, Jordan and the Bulls uh, would make. But what the 1987 NBA Slam Dunk Contest really does, though, it it puts Jordan on the national NBA scale uh, for the first time. And he he had obviously been uh, a very prominent college player, played a huge role in North Carolina's national championship. But this was now in 1987, the first time that he is really on the national stage and 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 a top star on that national stage as well. And he, he would get a spot you know, top the NBA and also the social conscience. And he really wouldn't relinquish that spot from this point until he retires the first time. And even then, you know, I, I would even argue it took till the second retirement because the whole time he was out the first time, you know, that left this cloud of the league and, and shit, it even left the cloud of the league the second time he retired as well. So uh, it, it's it's pretty wild how how important Michael Jordan was to basketball. And a lot of that starts here with this 1987 slam dunk contest where he just really grabs this competition, grabs the league by storm and kind of says, all right, I'm here and I'm not going away. And um, he doesn't for at least a decade, decade plus possibly. He, he does not go away. You know, when Jordan stepped onto the court for the 1987 slam dunk contest in Seattle, he, he, he did so as a man determined. Former champion Dominique Wilkins, 1985 champion Dominique Wilkins, is out with an injury. He is not going to be there. Defending champion Spud Webb wasn't competing. So the path is pretty much set for Michael Jordan to show the world what he was capable of. And it took exactly one dunk to do that. We are ready for the slam dunk championship. And here is the first competitor, Michael Jordan, who unfortunately couldn't be here last year because of injuries. And he was 
talking today and seeing him with Dominique Wilkins, who uh, wished him good luck. Oh, just like his commercials. Watch the cup move right here, and the swing over, and then the two hands stuff as he passes by the basket. Uh, well, I think, uh, give him a 10 on that one. I thought that was a beautiful dunk. With that one dunk, Michael Jordan literally glided into the hearts and the minds of basketball fans across the world. With one seemingly effortless rise to the rim, Jordan does a pretty standard two-handed cradle dunk. Yeah, sure, we'd seen it before, nothing new. That Jordan did it with his eyes at the rim, with such control, such grace, such fluidity, it was over from that first dunk. Jerome Kersey would put up a valiant effort. Terrence Stansberry would try his best. Didn't matter. This was Jordan's competition, and Jordan's showcase to let the world know, I have arrived. And more than I've just arrived... I'm not going anywhere either. The competitors. Tom Chambers, at one time one of the key pieces of the Seattle Supersonics, was known for using his size and length to tower over defenders and throw down highlight reel in-game dunks. One of the best in-game dunkers of all time. Johnny Dawkins, a San Antonio Spurs rookie who showed some promise in the early portion of his career, but couldn't uh, couldn't put the pieces together for a sustained run in the league. Clyde Drexler, himself starting to come into his own as a great all-around scorer. The high-flying Drexler would soon fall into the shadow of Michael Jordan, join the club, but also lead the Portland Trailblazers to contendership. This is Drexler's third dunk contest. He's failed to reach the semifinals in both of his first two attempts. Ron Harper. Remembered more for his role as the fourth option on the three-peat Chicago Bulls, Harper, at this time a rookie, was a do-everything scorer for the rebuilding Cleveland Cavaliers. Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan. This is his second dunk contest. Many forget that Jordan participated in the 1985 slam dunk contest, and he did make it all the way to the finals before falling to Dominique Wilkins. Jerome Kersey, teammate of Kawhi Drexler on the competitive Portland Trailblazers. Kersey narrowly missed the semifinal of the 1986 competition and is back for revenge. Terrence Stansberry, the master of the 360 Statue of Liberty, is back for unfortunately what will be his final dunk contest. Stansberry has made the semifinals both years, but has failed to reach the finals. This is the year, right? And then finally, Gerald Wilkins, the younger brother of Dominique. Gerald made it to the semifinals in 1986 and is hungry to prove that both Wilkins brothers are elite dunkers. The competition. The rules for the 1987 slam dunk contest are two dunks in one round, three dunks in the semifinals and the finals. You may replace up to two dunks per round, and the judges are to score based on style, athletic ability, and creativity. Kersey, who would end up being a worthy foe for Jordan, wasn't supposed to be in this competition at all. He only filled in a spot when Dominique had to bow out. So those who want the Dominique-Michael Jordan rematch in 1985, well, you're going to have to wait a year. And uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be worth the wait. Again, pretty much from the moment Jordan steps onto the floor here, he owns this night. Air Jordan kicks the festivities off with a two-handed cradle, that's just otherworldly in its simplicity. As I mentioned before, the grace. Just every, it, it's just, it's, it's not, it's dunk we've seen before, but we've never seen it like this. And that kind of speaks to Jordan and his career as well. It's stuff that we've never seen before, or it's stuff that we have seen before, but we've just never seen it look like this. Act like this. Have that swagger, have that, 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 that grace, have that power, have that competitiveness, everything about it. You know, it's stuff we've seen before. It's just a different level. Just a different animal. Stansberry, eager to finally get over the hump and into the finals. 
has even gone as far as to play for the hometown team. He's now decided, I'm, this is how I'm going to win. I'm going to play for the Seattle Supersonics. And this is going to make the judges score him better. They don't need much convincing, though. Stansberry comes out of the gates with his patented Statue of Liberty play for a score of 49. And he's going to come up with, uh, I'll tell you what, on the second one. I'll see interesting to see what he comes up with on the first dunk. But only oh, thinking about doing the Statue of Liberty 360 on the first one. That's his patented move that he initiated two years ago in Indianapolis. This is the Statue of Liberty 360, I think. crowd holding up Penn. Oh, we see a couple of nines snuck in there. <laughs> and one eight. Stansberry, uh, excuse me, Dawkins only had a 37. Leader right now is Drexler with 45. There you see the 360. Beautiful control for Jordan's second dunk is arguably one of his worst dunk contest dunks ever. A 360 off a of bounce. But it shocks everybody in the building when it receives a 47. Conspiracy? Nah, I didn't mention this score before. He got a 41 in the first. So I think this is an evening out. I think this is a make good score here, but we'll see as the competition goes on. Kersey joins the mix uh, with a beautiful up and under dunk that sees the Trailblazer finish well, well above the rim. His team at Drexler does, well, as what's going to become a theme in these series, quite literally the same dunk as Kersey did, but not as well uh, as he did. So not ideal. Usually you want to do, if you're going to do the same dunk, do it better or do a different dunk. Not to Clyde. Stansbury ends his first round with an awesome, awesome up and under dunk that gets a 50, giving the Supersonic a 99 in the first round. As the semifinals begin, Jordan is ready to fully take control of the competition and had the crowd in ecstasy as he set up for a free throw line dunk. While Jordan does nail this free throw line dunk, it's nowhere near as good as his 1988 free throw line dunk, but it's still goddamn impressive. Drexler, fresh off copying his teammate's dunk, decides, yes, this is the time for him to try a free throw line dunk. Clyde, what are you doing, buddy? What's going on here, man? Uh, He does it. It's nowhere near as good as Jordan's, and it's a few steps in front of the free throw line. Not advised. Clyde, what are you doing? Clyde? Clyde. It's going to be worse than 1988. Trust me. Our semifinalists uh, complete their dunks, and it's down to this. Jordan needs a great dunk to get into the finals, and if he doesn't deliver the 1987 slam dunk contest final is going to be, of course, Jerome Kersey versus Terrence Stansberry. We all know how this story is going to end, the Jerome Kersey-Terrence Stansberry duel of 1987. That, oh, wait, that's not going to happen. So I, I do want us to imagine for a moment how things do change if Jordan doesn't win this competition. So back-to-back dunk contest that Jordan does not win. You know, he's out in 86, but back-to-back ones that he participates in 85 and 87, he loses. But, I mean, that's, you know, even if he wins in 1988, there's a little bit of that luster missing. There's a little bit of that gravitas that's missing from Jordan. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if Air Jordan ever becomes a thing if he doesn't win this 1987 slam dunk contest. You know, it's, it's a, but if optics-wise, it's a pretty, it, it, it's just a fun thing to think about of what could have been or how much different things could have been uh, if Jordan just bows out here. It doesn't even make it to the finals. Loses to Terrence Stansberry, but uh, yeah, Air Jordan still exists. Air Jordan still happens. It may have taken, you know, for for Jordan's popularity may have not exploded until the 1987 playoffs uh, for people to be aware uh, of just uh, how special Jordan was. But um, we're wasting a lot of words here because don't spend too much time worrying about it. Jordan does an insane floating baseline windmill with some of those the most ridiculous hang time you have ever seen in your life 
and here's what it sounds like. It's it's otherworldly. So Michael seems to be warming up. Jordan has a 49 and a 49. Terrence Stansberry, a 49, 45, and a 50. And Drexler probably in danger of being eliminated, 46. And- But he went straight to the basket just like he was floating on air, turned sideways, gave a little little move to the side, and floated sideways to throw it in. Will they give Michael Jordan a 50? He I don't know. one yet today. There it is. That is Air Jordan at his best. It'd be cliche to, you know, mention that Air Jordan is doing this in the home of Boeing, but, um, no. I just didn't, so there's no coming back. How fitting. Stansberry, once again, is on the outside looking in. The 1987 finals don't give us the same boxing match look and feel as 1988 is going to give us. But Kersey and Jordan do battle it out until the very final dunk. Kersey starts things off with a 46 on a windmill, a reverse dunk for a 45, then finishes his competition with another solid dunk for a 49. Jordan does a beautiful reverse windmill for a 48, a split-legged, one-handed dunk, a feat few humans could ever do for a 48. Then Jordan finally finishes Kersey off with another baseline windmill. Not as good as the one he did earlier, but nobody really cared anymore. Jordan got a 50 and won the competition. The first of his back-to-back NBA Slam Dunk Contest championships and the true crowning of Air Jordan in the NBA. Jordan, the NBA, and the Slam Dunk Contest would never be the same again. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Again, hopefully you're enjoying the series. Uh, these are designed to be kind of quick hitter, mini audio docs that you can hopefully get through, you know, a, a bunch of these at once or binge them at once if you want to do that. But um, I really do appreciate uh, everybody for uh, their support. Uh, we've heard some really good stuff. People have, have, have seemingly do enjoy these. So just let us know. Uh, of course, leave a rating and review uh, wherever you listen to the Over and Back podcast. We would really, really appreciate it. Follow us at Over and Back NBA on Twitter, at Over and Back NBA on Facebook, uh, Over and Back Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Again, the music beds you hear throughout this show from Rich Ladda. Follow him on Twitter, at Rich Ladda 32 We thank him so much uh, for contributing to this piece uh, and this audio doc and everything uh, going on here. Fansided.com, if you want to read the audio accompaniments, or the, the written audio uh, accompaniments, I should say, uh, of these podcasts, that is available at Fansided.com at the step back at Fansided.com. So that is it for me. We'll see you guys next time. You probably know where we're going here. You probably know what's next. You're thinking chronologically. 1984, 86, 87. Yeah, we're going to talk 1988. One of the most anticipated episodes of this series. Uh, I'm excited to bring you guys this one. I'm excited to talk about it again. So we will jump in there pretty soon. Talk about 1988. And uh, yeah, that is it for me. So thank you guys for listening. Talk to you again next time. Take care. Bye.